0: Darling, I'm going to need to step out for a bit. Okay, I'm going to lock the door. And can you guys please just let mummy have some time? All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there we go. And I'm going to text my husband just so he knows. I did remind him this morning. But all right, please. On a pod.
1: From Women's Health Australia, this is Uninterrupted, a series where we chat to women doing brilliant things in the wellness space. I'm Deputy Editor, Lisa Gebilaggin. Your whole world shifts
0: and changes, and now I realise that that level of focus and undivided attention, it can actually sometimes
1: do a disservice to, to yourself and them. You might recognize Aussie actor Teresa Palmer from last year's film, Bride Like a Girl. Or you may have seen her in that fantasy series, A Discovery of Witches, which is one of those rare shows loved by fans and critics. I used to have quite the healthy obsession with zombie films. So my favorite movie of hers is Warm Bodies, where her character falls in love with a zombie, as you do, played by Nicholas Holt. Anyway, I digress. The reason I'm chatting to Teresa today has nothing to do with her acting cred and everything to do with making sure that as women, we are talking more about our shared experiences. Not just the fun stuff, which we tend to do anyway, but especially when those experiences are tough. Teresa has a new book out right now called Zen Mamas, Finding Your Path Through Pregnancy, Birth and Beyond, which she co-wrote with her close friend, Sarah Wright Olson. And just like in the book, in our chat today, the mum to six-year-old son Bodhi, three-year-old son Forrest, and one-year-old daughter Poet gets raw and honest. She talks about her pregnancy loss, how she and her husband got through his experience of postpartum anxiety, and the way she's navigating this crazy time we're currently living in. So stay, listen, and I hope this chat inspires you to share some of your experiences too. Welcome to Uninterrupted, Teresa. How funny
0: that the name is Uninterrupted because I'm pretty sure I will be completely interrupted
1: (laughs) (laughs) the whole podcast. I know, but we'll we'll just have to roll with it. (laughs) Who's hoping. Speaking of interruptions too, we were originally going to do this chat in person in Sydney, but then COVID-19 had other plans for humanity. (laughs) That's right. How are you and your family holding up in Adelaide at the moment? Look, we
0: have some days which go really smoothly and we're in flow and then we have other days where it's chaotic and today I would say is one of the more chaotic days in Uh.
1: our household.
0: (laughs) Um, The kids are just racing back and forth. We've got concrete floors so it's really noisy. You can hear Poet in the background crying. Luckily my mum lives with us
1: so my mum has her right now. Um, That really helps having that extra support.
0: Oh, it's great. And, you know, obviously I can't see my other parents. Um, They're in their 70s and so they're isolated and we haven't seen them. We've been doing FaceTime. But, you know, the one silver lining for us is that we actually live with my mum so she gets to isolate
1: with us, which is,
0: you know, a little blessing in disguise.
1: So you talk about like having all these ups and downs during this period. I know for myself it's been helpful exercising and meditating I was wondering what do you do yourself and then what do you do to help your kids make sure that they're okay during all all of this?
0: I think my children work quite well having a loose schedule a flexible schedule I'll say we definitely try and meditate each day if we can I have been getting about 10 minutes at night time after the kids are in bed Ten minutes is all you need, really. (laughs) I know. It is. It is actually quite good. And I'm one of those people that when I meditate, I want to go to sleep straight away afterwards. Yeah, Yeah. So it's actually perfect to unwind at the end of the day. And another thing I've been doing is a brain dump. So right before bed, either before or after the meditation, I have a little app on my phone called Day One. Oh, yeah. And it's a journaling app. And it, it goes to the cloud and um, and you have a little code. So you have a password. It's password protected. And I've been using it for a long time. I used to journal when I was a teenager. Um, and then I remember, like, everyone would find my journals and read them. And um, and so I, I was like, oh, I'm just going to try out this app. So I've been doing it for about two years. And I've been really trying to write in it every single night and talk about my feelings and the flow of the day and and things I noticed if I went out shopping and and just how people were doing because it's such an interesting time in history. Mm. I think it's a period of time that we all look back on and think, how do people navigate that? How do people get through? And um, so I want to write my feelings down and my experience down so that I can read back on it in years to come and just think about what a I mean these are unprecedented times and it helps me actually to get to sleep because anything that I'm feeling anxiety-wise or if I'm nervous about something or just feeling exhausted, I can just dump it all down in this little app and it it frees me of some of the, um, you know, the committee of my brain and all the thoughts whizzing around um, as you're trying to unwind at night time. So, yeah, that's that's something I've been doing. It's been helpful. And then um, the kids have a, a, a meditation. There's a specific album that I love for the kids' meditation, um, and it's by this uh, centre called the New Horizon Holistic Centre. And they have about five different meditation albums specifically designed for kids. So each one is, you know, one's called The Magic Shell or there's like Your Secret <laughs> Treehouse or Flying with Unicorns and it's a really beautiful meditative story for children and it helps them to have moments of self-reflection and to calm down and, and that's our one ritual. So we do that every day, no matter what the kids know, we get into bed, I snuggle with them in bed, and we put our meditation on. And that's something that they know that they have each day.
1: So professionally, do you have a few projects on pause now with the pandemic going on?
0: Yeah, um, actually, it's interesting. Our industry is one of the industries that have completely shut down, I would say 100%. Um, I don't know anyone who's still working or filming or, you know, maybe there's some riders out there still writing and plugging away at things but um for the most part every project is on pause so I did have a tv show an Australian tv show I was going to pop off and do during this period but obviously that pushed yeah um and then I have season three of a discovery of witches that I'm going to go and shoot I mean the plan is in September but who knows I don't know when things will get back up and running again and for the film industry it's a lot of it is um, you know, obviously everyone's trying to be safe and stay home and, and the insurance companies are just not insuring any projects right now and um and so we don't know when that's gonna shift or change. So we have no work for the foreseeable future. And, you know, we just at some point we'll probably jump back into shooting something, but I just don't know.
1: This might sound a little woo, but it- kind of feels like to me that the universe is forcing everyone to slow down and reflect what's necessary what do they actually really need in their lives what's important
0: yeah it feels like a global reckoning in many ways and there's something interesting about this time that it is forcing people I mean we are are being regulated we have to stay home and we're staying within the walls of our house and there are no external distractions. So you can't escape any of the self work um, that we all should be doing. And, um, and I love that. I have to say, I've realized, I've, I've had a lot of um, realizations during this period. And one of my things is that I fill my schedule with so much stuff so Mm -hmm. I am constantly out of the house doing school drop-offs and then doing something social or working on a business idea or catching up with a friend or it's just jam-packed from the moment I wake up until the moment I flop into bed and um now I'm having these long long days at the home and the days are kind of all melting into one it seems but there's a lot of self-reflection going on and and I'm taking a look at why why I do distract myself so much. Why can't I sit in a space of enjoying slow living and saying yes to having a day without plans? And
1: I think I will be fundamentally changed
0: from this experience and I don't think I'm the only one.
1: With so many projects on pause at the moment, why did you decide that it was still a great time for your new book, Zen Mamas, to come out? Well, that
0: wasn't up to us.
1: <laughs> <That wasn't it>? <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> so I think um, you know, it's always the release date's always been April 15th yeah. and when this happened. You know, Sarah and I had that vulnerable moment of, oh well, you know, it's gonna be on and on the shelves and bookstores and it's gonna be at Target and it's gonna be at Big W and but no one's gonna be in any of those places. Okay. So we're not sure it's gonna have the reach that we were hoping that it would have. However now we're looking at it as What a gift this book is for many women who are pregnant and facing isolation with a newborn or, you know, ramping up to start their trying-to-conceive journey. I had a bunch of friends. I just gave the book out to a bunch of my girlfriends. Um, I had the PDF ready to go and some of them were pregnant, some of them were having their first babies. And the feedback we've got has been so heartwarming And I realised that actually this is the perfect time for this book to come out. Um, My girlfriend said that our words surrounded her and comforted her in a moment that feels really scary.
1: I absolutely agree with you that, this is the right time for the book one of the girls I used to work with I saw on Instagram she wrote a piece about how only a few weeks into her maternity leave the social distancing rules were enforced and she thought maternity leave was lonely enough already before Mm. isolation and it made me really wonder what it's like for new mums and mums to be in particular during this time Um, what Mm. are your thoughts and do you have any advice for these women?
0: Yeah, look, I can't imagine it. I try and think about how I was when I first gave birth. And it was scary and exciting. And you're just (laughs) given this new little person to look after. And you just you're, you're making it up as you go. And there's a part of me that thinks that, well, it means that A lot of women will be having to participate in the first 40 days, which is the concept of actually just bunking in your home and not having very many visitors. Look, I think if you can try and put a positive spin on it, it would be about, you know, learning to be a mummy and um, without any judgments or pressure from anyone else. You don't have anyone around you to tell you that you're doing things wrong. But I also think it's going to be important for women to immerse themselves in a world that feels familiar to them. So whether that's jumping on FaceTime and, and talking to your best friends or going on and listening to podcasts, um, having a, a connection to the outside world will be imperative because um, it is it is such a tricky, vulnerable period of time when you've got a little newborn at home and um, you're just meeting their needs constantly you have to remember that you too have needs as a mother and um and what does that look like for you and um I found putting structure or adding structure to the day was helpful when I had a babe like all right I know that I'll wake up and At some point in the morning before 10 a.m., I'm going to have a bath and I'm going to (laughs) listen to a podcast. And I get to do that on my own. And so my husband can hold the baby. Or if Bubs is sleeping, you can put them in a little bassinet. You know, I had a Moses basket and I'd have him sleeping in the basket. I'd put him next to the bath and I'd sit in the bath and um, enjoy my time. But yeah, I think there are little pick me ups that you can definitely do. But also, Uh, just value those moments of face time and connecting with other adults (laughs) yes oh i can hear one of my little people crying (laughs) um um, one second yeah that's all right hey mister what's up my boy what happened come here what happened
1: we'll be back with more from teresa in a moment But while we give her some time to look after her bub, why not hit download on our new show, The Drop-In? Because when we aren't talking to women who inspire us, we are answering your COVID-19 questions. I'm sitting at my dining room table, which is now my office desk, and I've just eaten a packet of Tim Tams and it's 3pm. And I'm still hungry and I keep going to the fridge and I don't know what to do. Find it in your uninterrupted feed now. Back to Teresa. I know that you've always wanted to be a mother and just from this example, it just seems like it comes easy to you. Do you find that yourself? Or like what advice do you have for women who aren't sure about, I don't know, don't have that same kind of faith in themselves that they can do it well? Oh, I
0: think it really comes, to be fair. Look, perhaps it doesn't always come. But I think for the most part, even if you're feeling nervous during your pregnancy, and you're not sure what it's going to look like, or how your life is going to be affected, when your baby's in your arms, there's something that takes over. And it is that instinctual thing. And sure, you'll have moments of concern or doubt wondering whether you're doing it right but I do think that you just learn as, as you go and some days will be messy and some days will be wonderful and you'll feel on top of the world and be and you'll be that'll be followed up by a day where nothing's going to plan and um and it's just completely chaotic but I think they're all opportunities to learn and to grow as a parent um and I've certainly only gotten more confident in my abilities the older I've gotten and the more you know my children have grown I have had more children um and so it it just comes and you adjust and shift and I was a different kind of mum when Bodhi was born and I was 27 to the kind of mum I am now at 34 and You just evolve as a parent, I think. And it's just important to be easy on yourself.
1: Yeah. What are some of the main differences from 27-year-old Mama Teresa, Mother Teresa, hey, (laughs) (laughs) to you now? (laughs) Um, um, I would say my (laughs) my
0: entire life revolved around Bodhi. Mm. Bodhi was just everything and I neglected any other aspect in my life because he was it for me I I was like that's it I don't want to act my poor husband (laughs) doesn't get a look in (laughs) my baby is the king of the universe and nothing else you know exists and I think it's it's also that first time parenting thing I'm sure I would have felt that way if I had him for the first time at 35 Um, it's just your whole world shifts and changes and he was the center of everything and now I realize that that level of focus and undivided attention it can actually sometimes do a disservice to to yourself and them because I noticed with Forrest He is such an independent, he's my second born, he's such an independent little man. And I wonder if a lot of that has to do with birth order because when he was born I was still (laughs) running after Bodhi and juggling, you know, being um, in a relationship with my husband and meeting Bodhi's needs, meeting the baby's needs Um, and there wasn't just one central focus. My, My attention was divided. And I think it, it um, was an amazing thing for Forrest and how it has shaped him and he's just, he just gets on with things and is really super independent and, um, and Bodhi still does not like playing on his own. Oh yeah, He, like, he likes to go to the toilet with someone. He likes, um, you know, if Forrest is asleep, Bodhi's like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? Forrest is napping. There's nothing I can do. <laughs> um, and so we always engage and play with him. And Yeah. And I, and I wonder, I really wonder if it's because I just was there constantly 24-7. And also I totally neglected all my own needs at that age. I just didn't, uh, I could give, you know, to Shitses, I Can you swear on podcasts? Yeah, know. yeah, you can. Oh, okay. This one you can, <laughs> can, definitely. Okay, okay. I was, I was like, like, like I what's SH- shitses?" I, t- t- <laughs> <laughs> I know, okay. I'm, I'm so used to not swearing in front of the kids. I'm like, "Oh, this is so crazy. You'd be free. F- I'm going to say shit. <laughs> yeah, you'd be
1: free, Teresa. Do what you like. Oh, I'll be free. Yeah,
0: well, basically I could give two shits about myself. Um, and now that I've gotten older, I realise, oh, in fact, I am the trunk of the tree and the children of the branches and if the trunk isn't functioning well, the branches aren't going to be healthy. Um, So I need to also understand that I have needs to be met too and I think that's probably the biggest way I've changed as a mother is um, cultivating moments of self-care They are fleeting, (laughs) but but at least there's some self-care going on.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's good. Um, Our Features Editor, Alex, interviewed you, uh, I think, in February, and she said one of your self-care rituals was a bath. Is that still the case? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love a bath. I love a good bath with a
0: podcast on, drinking my kombucha, Mm. putting the the kids to bed, watching a great TV show when they're asleep. We just finished Tiger King.
1: Oh, yeah. I can't get through it.
0: Oh, I find it hard. <sighs> uh, I oscillate between like being dumbfounded and angry yeah. and then amused um uh, and fascinated. It's just a, a myriad of experiences. But um it is it's quite fascinating. Yeah, so I've been doing I've doing a lot of that, eating a lot of vegan sugary treats. <laughs> that that's self care for me (laughs) yeah um my body probably doesn't agree with me but you know it tastes amazing and for that momentary feeling of oh this is amazing I definitely enjoy having a sweet treat I'm not as um as rigid as I once was about things I'm allowed to eat and and what I steer clear from um I'm pretty in terms I am a vegan so I'm I am rigid in those beliefs I definitely do not eat meat or any animal products but I allow myself treats and to indulge and and not feel guilty about it I eat as much bread as I want now um but that wasn't the case when I was younger either I think I've kind of softened in in many
1: ways (laughs) probably uh, my body softened a lot too but
0: yeah I'm not nearly as rigid as I once was
1: it reminds me of what you were saying about um being a mother too just kind of having to let go a little bit yeah
0: letting go of that expectation and just um being okay to be just present and accepting of of how the day is unfolding and um you know, noticing my feelings and my emotions, and
1: um, and not having a self-critical voice, I think it's imperative. So I'd like to go back to the question I asked before, um, just about how I felt that the most beautiful parts of your book were the moments where you shared your own experiences of pregnancy loss secondary infertility and even your Mm -hmm. husband Mark's experience of postpartum anxiety I think these are experiences that as women we need to talk about more Mm -hmm. why did you think it was important to share such personal experiences and be so open about them too I just feel as though I'm a woman who has
0: a platform and I want to strip down the barriers that are in place between so many people and if someone who has a reach is willing to be raw and vulnerable and open well maybe that can crack open that conversation for everyone Mm. um and i i'm really noticing people are wanting to share their experiences of loss and grief and pain and anxiety and depression Um, we can find solace in each other's stories and connection. It's about connection, isn't it, really? Like that's what I was looking for when I had my molar pregnancy. I I remember just feeling like a statistic. Oh, I'm one in 10,000 people who suffer this specific kind of pregnancy loss. <sighs> I didn't know anyone who'd been through it. And so I just felt alone. I felt so alone and sad and ashamed and as though my body had failed me um, and embarrassed. I was also embarrassed because it was this rare, or they were labeling it as a rare pregnancy loss. And I just thought, why me? Why Why did my body do this? Um, and I really wished that There were more stories I I could have read or more people I I was connecting with who had gone through these experiences. Um, And so that's why we decided to dedicate an entire chapter to pregnancy loss. I haven't ever seen that in a pregnancy book before or a parenting book. I've never seen a a chapter dedicated to the subject of pregnancy loss. And we felt it was important to do that.
1: Mm. Definitely. And I think another important thing that you brought up, which I'd never thought of, was moving away from the term miscarriage and talking about pregnancy loss instead. Can you explain to our listeners why that is important to you? I think the term miscarriage uh, informs
0: us that we've miscarried our babies as though it's our fault as though somehow there's something that we have done and we have miscarried the child. Mm. And I I don't like that. I, I didn't it didn't sit right with me. And I'd always thought about that word, especially after I had suffered my own pregnancy loss. And I started researching other people's feelings surrounding the word. And I found that Lots of other people had talked about um, how we should change the word miscarry because there's already so much shame and there's a lot of stigma surrounding pregnancy loss that the name itself doesn't help the fact that we're trying to tell people it's not your fault, it's okay. This happens to so many of us. So that's why we said, you know what, let's call it pregnancy loss. Let's not even say the word miscarriage.
1: Yeah, I like that. Yeah, like I mentioned, it was something that I'd never even thought about before and it was good for you to bring that up because you make a really good point. For women who have a partner going through postpartum anxiety, what would you like women to know about helping that partner and what worked for you and Mark in your own experience? At
0: first, I had no idea what Mark was going through. Um, My husband has had bouts of anxiety um, over the time we've been together but at first I it showed up for him in a way that um was was a new experience he felt incredibly protective over poet and so at first I just chalked that up to oh well look this is his first little girl and he's had three boys and You know, it's and and that's what he thought initially too. He's like, oh, maybe it's a daddy-daughter thing. Mm. And he had been warned by a few men, oh, when you have your girl, there's going to be a special kind of feeling that um, will be new. It'll be a new feeling. And he was like, this this is what it must be. And then I started noticing that his behaviour felt erratic in terms of his emotions surrounding her and not wanting anyone to touch her no one was allowed to be with her apart from me obviously but like friends and even my family members he was hanging around he was so close he'd be waving at me in the background telling me that please have them put her down um, <laughs> and then I, I realized it was like oh the, I think this is more than just feeling protective mm-hmm. um, and we talked about it and it was about three days I mean it, it wasn't A prolonged period of postpartum anxiety but it was a a good three days he also wasn't sleeping obviously because we were up in the middle of the night with her um and we had you know Forrest had only just turned two as well so he was still waking up in the middle of the night and um and I think it came out of a place of sleep deprivation and just feeling afraid that something would happen to his precious little girl so he didn't seek out professional help per se as it was only about three days but um it took us a number of days to understand what it was and where these feelings were coming from and um he realized that actually he just had to go within and do some meditation and really do some self-reflection work and label the emotions as they were coming up and and dissect them together and um I could help emotionally regulate him during that period of time because I was feeling <laughs> I was still on a blissful high yeah. um, at that period, post-birth high, and I I had enjoyed my birthing experience. And so I still had a lot of endorphins running around. Um, usually you take a dip around day three. So as he was starting to feel better, I started the tears started coming on day three for me and I felt like I had been robbed of my first three days oh. with her because of his experience. <laughs> um, but then, you know, a week in we, we navigated through it all and we looked back on that period as just, wow, what an interesting
1: time for us it's good that you can recognize that though I how do you develop that emotional intelligence because I think maybe for a lot of couples they might not realize what's going on and just think it's oh this is what is supposed to happen you know right I think
0: probably only because Mark and I have done a lot of um, self-reflecting work or self-reflective work I should say we both have done you know, varying levels of meditation and my husband has been sober for many years and grew up in a really tumultuous environment as a little boy. He was a homeless boy on the streets of Philadelphia and so he had to um, figure out how to survive as just a little child with a very young teenage mother and so he has had um, a lot of trauma in his life and childhood trauma can trigger emotional responses so throughout Mm -hmm. our relationship we've unpacked lots of experiences um, that he went through as a kid and you know I have my own sort of levels of trauma not um I would say not nearly as intense as what he had to navigate but because of that we just we've been there for each other from the start and we hold each other during periods of flare-ups um but we have each other's user manual that's what we always say we, we know each other so well that I I see when he's getting triggered by something I can see it happening and um and we and we just talk about it it's all about communication
1: now, it really comes across in our chat and in the book how much you've learned after each one of your pregnancies. So I'd love to know for women who are thinking about getting pregnant for the first time or who are currently pregnant with their first bub, what's the main thing you'd like to tell them? Like the one thing out of all the many things you've learned that you wish you had known? Um. Oh, it
0: just goes back to that intuition, that feeling that, that you feel in your belly, that knowing sense. Um, if something doesn't feel quite right um, in your birthing room and if something is feeling, is that like that spidey sense people talk about. Ask those questions. Speak up. Use your voice. And I always say, like, let that voice be the loudest one. In every aspect of your parenting journey, just listen, like go in and listen because you know your body and you know your baby better than anyone else does. And I that doesn't negate, you know, all the amazing people with offering advice and sharing their way of doing things. And you must listen to um, people, especially, you know, in the medical field certain things might come up for you and you've got no choice and that's just the way it has to go I had a retained placenta that was not in my birth plan (laughs) I did not want to have a retained placenta and there were only a few options for me and so um, I, I took those options and I followed my instincts and I chose all right I'm gonna have this
1: manually removed oh and the that- description <laughs> in the book will always stay with me
0: <laughs> oh that was rough <laughs> that
1: was rough um can you give our listeners just a, a like a, a quick recap
0: of yes. that yeah Oh, uh, sure. Yeah, so obviously I'd planned a home birth um, with Bodhi and I had to rent about it. i had written out my perfect birth. And then, of course, uh, my lesson was that, hey, things don't go to plan when you're a parent. And um, <laughs> I ended up having a home birth transfer at 10 centimetres dilated. I ended up um, giving birth vaginally. I had a, a natural hospital birth. Um, but I had to have pitocin, so I had to um, be induced as my baby was posterior, which just meant he wasn't in a favourable birthing position. And I had a lot of back labour. Um, and then he came out, and um, that was great. I started nursing him, and then my placenta just decided that it wasn't ready to come on out. <laughs> just, just stayed up there, and um, it, for an hour later, it was it was still up there. And then so I was given the option. uh, to have a manual extraction with drugs or without drugs. And so I could have had an epidural at that point. And I thought, oh my gosh, I've already given birth. I'm not gonna have an epidural now. Um but my doctor said, Oh, it's gonna be pretty excruciating if you don't take pain relief. Um he's like, but I promise I'll get it out in 30 seconds. I'm really good at doing these. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And it was Dr. Paul Crane, who's a legend in, in the birthing world in America, in California in particular and he did it and I reckon he took about 35 seconds um and he got it out and it was um yeah it's definitely not 35 seconds I ever want to go through again (laughs) it's so
1: painful
0: yeah it was just it was pretty hardcore it was definitely the most intense surge of pain that I felt way more so than the birth but at the same time I could have just the, the pain relief option was there I just thought oh if it's only 35 seconds I can get through it probably in hindsight <laughs> I should
1: have just taken the pain relief
0: <laughs> longest
1: 35 seconds yeah. ever <laughs> <laughs> uh. well thank you so much for your time Teresa I've really enjoyed the chat
0: oh me too I really appreciate it. thank you for all the beautiful questions
1: bye-bye Bye. I hope you got a lot out of that chat with Teresa so we touched on a few triggering topics in our convo so if you or someone you know is struggling with perinatal anxiety and depression head to panda.org.au for support or call their national helpline on 1300 726 306 and for more from women's health say hey on instagram at women's health aus it would be amazing to hear from you And if you've been enjoying our podcast, we'd love, love, love if you could leave us a rating and review. Thank you, legends. Until next time.